Welcome to the Penguin Magic Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Tate. We have a great show for you this week. I hope you enjoyed last week. Our format was a little different because of the expedient access we had to the cast of Big Trick Energy. We're back to our usual format this week. The main event is magician, sideshow artist, and acclaimed creator, Eric Ross. We talk the finer points of sideshow stunts and a whole lot more. Nick Lacapo stops by via Discord to discuss the featured download of the week from Larry Haas. But before all that, the show kicks off with mentalist and master of the Q&A routine, Anthem Flint, talking to me about his desk. Desert Island Magic Book. Anthem Flynn, thanks so much for joining me here on the Penguin Magic Podcast for Desert Island Magic Books. Let's say you wash up on a desert island with one magic book, and it's made of Tyvek, so it's not going to fall apart in the wind and the rain and the sand. What is your Desert Island Magic Book? The For me, the quintessential book that has changed my career, changed my approach to my magic and my mentalism, and has shaped me most as a performer, is The Book of Demons by Peter Turner. It is a very hard book to get your hands on and it is always evolving and if you have a copy peter will often update it and give you the newest version oh that's interesting yes it's i almost like the a, idea of a, of a living book yes it's almost like a club and it's very cool but this book taught me things that really just changed my whole perspective on magic mentalism approaching revealing information pre-show everything and every aspect regarding mentalism this book shaped me and changed me. And if I was stuck on a desert island, you better believe I would want that book. Now, I know that you're quite a fan of propless mentalism. You do use props in a lot of your work. But I also know that Peter Turner is uh, sort of one of the mod- the fathers of the modern propless movement. Uh, is this a, a book that consists of a lot of propless mentalism? Or is it more focused on the Q&A, which I know is a fascination of yours? See, this is where I think the Book of Demons differs so greatly from Peter's other work. Is that, yes, there is a few pieces that are, you know, anagrams or other uh, propless methods... However, really, this book digs deep into the pipe dreams of mentalism, and it doesn't strictly talk about propless stuff. And in fact, myself, I use very little propless in the traditional terms, mentalism, that most people would think of with the anagrams or the, you know, truth and lie to find out where the coin is kind of stuff. In Peter's book, he really talks about how to frame any effect how to discover if the person is the right person. It's really the nitty-gritty into mentalism, not just the wonderful effects. This is like a a way to gain deeper insight into the the people that you are performing for so that you can draw out more information and then really get some like big hits. Am I understanding that correctly? Yes, it certainly, certainly does cover that. And you did bring up Q&A. It has one of the greatest Q&As I've ever seen published as well. So that is definitely a reason for me. Uh, without giving the method, because th- this is not the place for that, what is it about the Q&A in, in Demons by Peter Turner that really speaks to you? The Demons Q&A spoke so deeply to me because for the first time, it made me feel really comfortable with doing an unwritten Q&A. Going out and with nothing, creating a very strong 10 to 15 minute piece of mentalism. And... Um, If I was going to say one thing that really drew me to it is that it showed me how a QA and a could be so much more about the emotional connection, the understanding between you and your audience members, and um, that real, genuine, heart-to-heart connection using nothing but words and language. 
Well, that's fantastic. Peter Turner's Demon. That's a, that's a fantastic book to take onto a desert island. Yeah, The Book of Demons. Oh, The Book of Demons by there Peter Turner. Yeah. Great desert island magic book. Thanks for joining me, Anthem. Thanks again to Anthem Flint for his insight. Be sure to check out the show description for links to Anthem's magic and Peter Turner's. On to the main event. Eric Ross is known for creating magic that engages the audience on a visceral level. Whether it's Riser, where the ink on your skin visually changes, or Hook, where you play a Russian roulette game with fish hooks in your mouth, Eric's magic is attention-getting and irresistible. He spent the last few years touring with the Hells of Pop and Circus Sideshow, performing the Human Pincushion and other superhuman sideshow stunts. Getting to talk to someone performing this type of act is rare. Getting to talk to someone else who has consistently performed this type of act as frequently as Eric has is nearly unheard of. A word of warning to our listeners, the things that Eric and I are going to talk about can be a little intense. It is very interesting look into one of our ally arts and one of its more notable practitioners today. And now you get to join our conversation. Eric Ross, thanks so much for joining me on the Penguin Magic Podcast. Uh, I really enjoyed getting to know you over the number of years. And uh, mm-hmm. the the sideshow stuff you do is interesting because the magic you do is really neat. But I think what pe- more people know you from these days, especially going on tour is is a lot of the sideshow and like you know stunts mm-hmm. uh how did you get interested in that because it's not because it's it's sort of an allied art that not a lot of magicians like we know how it works but mm-hmm. like i don't know a lot of people actively perform that stuff what got you interested in performing the sideshow material man you know so i have always been interested in sideshow i remember when i was a kid and this is years ago i'm, I'm old now man but this was years ago we would watch shows like Ripley's Believe It or Not and, uh, you know, Guinness Book of World Records had the TV show and they also both had the books and you would see like, you know, some sideshow stuff and those things. And I remember, so I was always fascinated with it. And then as you know, when we start doing magic and performing along the way, there's some geek stuff that really goes hand in hand with the magic stuff, you know? And I just remember picking up little things here and there over the years. So it wasn't like all, at one time, I was like, over the years, I started picking up a lot of little geek stuff. Uh, when Dalton showed me how to do the the kernel from eye, that mm-hmm. was one thing. And then uh, Dan Haas taught me how to stick a needle through my hand. That was another thing, man. So it was just, and this was over years, you know. So I'd learn something here and learn something there. Now, originally, when I was uh, hired to do a tour I did, I was on tour for three years. And when I was on tour, they originally hired me to do magic. That's what they did. They wanted a magician. Mm-hmm. And uh, so back in 2013... Uh, NASCAR hired me to do magic for the, uh, it was the Sprint Cup in, uh, I want to say, Dallas? Uh, it was in Texas somewhere. It was a Sprint Cup. And mm-hmm. so they hired me uh, to do walk-around magic for all the, the drivers and the before the race and the, the oh, infield had to be, in the middle of the, you know, the track and the infield there. That had to be wild. Oh, dude, it was, it was, uh, I was like, wow, okay, cool. I mean, these are, uh, these are guys who like regularly get into a car and go 200 miles an hour as yeah. a job. So yeah. So got- where I was, I was in the, the middle, man, where, so the track was around me, you know? So this was, yeah, we're performing for everybody in the garages and stuff and hanging out. And that's where I met the, uh, the sideshow I toured with, uh, the Hells of Pop and Circus Sideshow, man. That was the first time I met them in 2013. And I hung out with those guys, man, showed them some magic and they really liked the magic I was doing. And then, you know, years went on, years went on. I think it was 27 or late 2016 they got a hold of me. I said, hey, man, we remember you back, you know, we did NASCAR together in 2013. We're looking for a magician. Uh, could you do some magic for our show? I'm like, dude, I would love to. That sounds great. And like, cool, cool. Well, that's what we're working on. You know, when an opening opens up, we want you to come out and do magic. I said, cool, man. Sounds good. 
So at this point, I was already doing like needle in my hand and stuff mm-hmm. like that, but I hadn't showed that to them yet. So Th- this is the deep tissue. Yeah, this is needle the, stuff. Yeah, deep tissue needle stuff. Which I want to come back to in a little bit and talk more about that. Cool. But keep keep going on. Yeah, so what happened was uh, they said, you know, this is something we're working on for the future. We're going to keep you in mind. Eventually, we want to bring a magician out. I said, cool, man. Sounds good. I'm in. Well, then just a, a couple months go by, and uh, they, they call me. And they're like, hey, do you want to come out and do magic? And I was like, oh, you guys are ready? They're like, well, we had a performer who didn't work out, you know. They, the performer left or got let go, whatever it was. We need someone to fill that spot. Why don't you come out with your magic? I said, yeah, man, I'd love to win. They're like, tomorrow. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so I remember talking to my wife. I'm like, hey, I got to leave for like a couple months. She's like, why? I said, uh, opportunity came up. I want to take it. And she's always been really supportive, man. Yeah. She's like, yeah, go for it. I'm, we're fine here. Me and the kids are fine. You know, go for it. I think it is important to note that any any performer who is married or in a committed relationship, the it's having someone who is very supportive and understands that you sometimes have to like drop everything and travel across the country to, to make ends meet is Mm -hmm. it's arguably one of the most valuable parts of being a a professional performer. Yeah, man, I wouldn't be able to to do what I do. A lot of us wouldn't, if it wasn't for that uh, support we have at home, you know? Yeah. I know, I know my performer is like long suffering with me. Uh, You know, my partner is just, like, yep, okay, we, you've got to go to Utah tomorrow. We're going to do yep. this. Or, you know, we fly off to film a lecture somewhere. Yep. It's, uh, but so, okay, so you get the call, and they're like, we need you here tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, we need you to fly out to Florida tomorrow. I live in Michigan, man. They want me to fly out to Florida. I said, okay, cool. So I remember, uh, you know, long story short, we uh, end up flying out to Florida to meet them and go over some of my magic stuff. And They're like, oh, that's cool, man. Yeah, that looks great. That'd be good in the show is exactly what we're looking for, you know. So I was showing them some ideas and whatnot, and. They said, do you do any sideshow, anything at all? I'm like, sideshow, huh? I mean, I stick a needle through my hand. <laughs> I'm like, what? What do you mean you stick a needle through your hand? And I said, yeah, man. You know, just, I, I do some geek stuff. So I started showing them some geek magic, but they were really hung up on this needle. You know, so I, I stuck the needle through my hand. And I showed them some other geek, you know, kind of stuff mm-hmm. that I've learned. And they were like, nah, man, scratch all that magic. Scratch all the cards. Scratch all that stuff. Like, <laughs> can you do this stuff in the show? <laughs> And I was like, yeah, man, no problem at all. And uh, and they said, well, what else can you do? You know, what else can you pierce? Mm -hmm. And I remember I thought back to all those Ripley's and Guinness stuff I've seen. And I remember just images I've seen online of all these Sufi fakirs, you know, over India that were piercing their jaw and stuff like that. And I said, well, I don't mind learning all this stuff. You know, I can learn all this. Sorry to interrupt, but this week the show is brought to you by one card and one card only from Larry Haas. Nick Lacapo stopped by via Discord to talk about this miracle card revelation. Uh, just one quick heads up though, Nick is traveling this week and his audio is a little wonky. Sorry about that. But one thing's for sure, the card trick we're talking about is worth your attention. Nick, I love me some Larry Haas stuff. Man, that guy... I know you do. That guy can put together a presentation like no one's business. Yeah, Larry really can, right? Uh, it's always been, when I first met him, the thing that stuck out to me the most is the way that he structures routines and the approach he takes to, you know, presenting them. So today we're talking about one card and one card only. And this is a really cool trick where a borrowed deck can be shuffled and a card is looked at, replaced into the deck. It's cut, shuffled, the audience removes a couple of cards at random, and then the performer is able to feel the energy of the cards to get down to one card and one card only, and that card is the spectator's card every time. It's pretty cool. 
Yeah. No, it, well, it is. And well, what's cool about it is that, you know, it's, it's a card trick where you're going to find a selected card. All right. So we're in that world, but the secret you're going to learn here is unlike anything I, you've probably used before. Um, it's got some, some, some classic methods here, but also brought up to speed in a way that, uh, that you'll, you'll be able to uh, use it, you know, in a, in a real life performance. It's, it's kind of just a diabolical secret. It's not the type of thing that I've played around with much, you know, and I know how powerful it is. And this is a trick where you'll actually learn it and learn how to use it. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely one of these things. A- anyone who's looking to just have a, a borrowed deck or a shuffled deck in use trick in their back pocket when you're out with some friends or at someone's house and they're like, do a card trick and you don't have anything, you can grab a deck of cards just off a shelf and immediately do it. This is definitely one of those tricks that you want to have in your back pocket to be able to do at a moment's notice. And those tricks are so valuable to have. Yeah, yeah, they really are. And that's, you're exactly right. It's exactly what it is. It's just that you were going to learn something that you're probably unaware of. You're going to be aware of part of it, but then also not aware of part of it at the same time, right? Because that's what, that's what you're really getting here, right? Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely got some stuff that is going to throw off a couple of the mag- knowledgeable magicians who watch it, and your lay audience is just going to be like yards behind you. They're, you're going to be so far ahead of them. And it's a part of his Borrowed Card Stunners series that Larry has mm-hmm. created over the years to be able to put you in an advantageous position when, you're, when you've got a deck of cards that doesn't even need to be a full deck. I mean, you could be missing cards and not even know no. it and still pull this off. No, it's a really cool secret. You could do it over and over again, uh, and your audience will have no idea how it works. One Card and One Card Only by Larry Haas. Check it out. That was One Card and One Card Only by Larry Haas, available at PenguinMagic.com. As a special thanks to you for listening to the show today, you'll get 25% off this shuffled deck in-use miracle when you enter the discount code PenguinPod at checkout. That's PenguinPod, all one word, P-E-N-G-U-I-N-P-O-D, at checkout for 25% off one card and one card only. And that offer is only good until the next episode of this show airs. Now, back to my conversation with Eric Ross. I remember just images I've seen online of all these Sufi fakirs, you know, over yeah. in India that were piercing their jaw and stuff like that. And I said, well, I don't mind learning all this stuff. You know, I could learn all this, mm-hmm. you know. And they're like, really? You would learn all that? I said, yeah, no problem. So... You know, touring with, uh, and then of course, you know, touring with those guys on the freak show, we're talking, you know, the lizard man, Eric Sprague and like all, all these buddies that, you know, I've called my family for, you know, three years of my life there, man. uh, So the, so a lot of the sideshow stuff came for, you were already interested in it, but yes, becoming an act and being like a part of it. They all worked with me. Yes. Yes. So they all worked with me. I worked with them. You know, they would show me things. I would show them things. I mean, we're, we were a family, Mm -hmm. man. And so, but now that's like your main, your main act is the, uh, is doing sideshows. You know, I wouldn't say it's my main act because I still love magic and perform okay. magic quite a bit, man. I think it's a balance and I don't do both at the same time. And we'll say that I'll take a break from magic, do sideshow, take a break from sideshow, do magic. And sometimes I'll do them both, you know. Does it, do you feel like doing magic while you're doing sideshow stunts? takes away from it because with magic like the audience kind of knows it's a trick right and so when you're doing this thing like putting a needle through your hand right. they kind of think like oh there might like that might be a fake needle or you know like harry anderson used to do the needle through arm but it was mm-hmm. a gimmick needle and there was a you know we're not going to talk the method here but it wasn't like what you're doing where the, right. the tissue you're really sticking a needle through your bicep is that part of the reason that you keep them separate or you know, I think that's part of the reason, but at the same time, 
magic's fun, man. And there's been nights where, you know, we're doing our sideshow. And I said, hey, guys, I want to do some magic tonight on stage. And like, yeah, go for it, man. Yeah. You know, so, you know, I make it work. But, yeah, you know, it's you're right. There's a certain uh, – but there's two – there's also two endings, man, two climaxes. Like with magic, you know – well, we'll start with sideshow. With sideshow, there's an explanation. The dude's just crazy or he has, mm-hmm. he has a high pain tolerance or, you know, he's, he's – there's always a, a answer, and with yeah. magic, there's not. I think that's what's so special about magic. There's no answer. It's always how. How did yeah. he do? That? How did he do that? So, it is two different things, man. And th- you can make them work together, man. A lot of people make them work together. You know, uh, Dan Sperry does a lot of geek stuff. Yeah, and magic together. That looks so beautiful when he does it, man. You know, you you mentioned the lecture about Todd Robbins and yes. looking very dapper and doing stuff. And, and yes. someone who actually jumps out to me is. Um, Mark James does like human blockhead mm-hmm. in, in his show and he's got like a nice tweed suit and yeah. sort of like horn room glasses and, and you, you wouldn't expect. And so there is something right. that becomes shocking about it when you, you put it in this like different context. Yeah. I think that's why I ended up going with my character and it was my homage to those guys, you know, mm-hmm. because I come out for my needle act in a suit, you know, a tuxedo mm-hmm. with a bow tie. And oh, the reason wow. we went with that is like, it was the most brutal act in the show Let's make him look the most gentleman-like. Yeah. It must make it play that much stronger for a lay audience when they see someone in a tuxedo suddenly putting a needle through their their chin, really. 100%, man. And, you know, if I came out with 20 piercings in my face Mm -hmm. and then went and did, you know, (laughs) another piercing, they'd be like, oh, okay. You know, they wouldn't be as impressed as I think if you come out clean cut and Mm -hmm. (laughs) then go into it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that that is there is a certain staging element that you you have to have or mm-hmm. it doesn't work. Right. Yep. Uh so let, let's talk the deep tissue stuff just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um how how has that affected your body? Because you were talking a little bit during the lecture and I wanted to explore it more here. Uh-huh. Uh you toured for 3 years doing shows 6 nights a week and Correct. doing like 3 to 5 Big needles. You showed yes. it in the lecture, and I and I looked a little closer. These are big needles. How are you? You're going through the same place a lot, right? So what's going on is I um, I'm not leaving anything in, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, if you leave something in, mm-hmm. that's how you get your you know your ears pierced and whatever. You leave it in, and that causes the hole. Like what I'm doing yeah. because I pull it out and I leave nothing in. It's healing, man. Mm-hmm. It's healing overnight. So every day was a new piercing. Oh, man. And the beautiful thing about that is that you get that stretching effect of the skin. You see the skin stretching when yeah. you're doing that, which is a really beautiful thing when you're performing, man, to see that. So people knew that I didn't have a tunnel or a hole. Like mm-hmm. They knew it was a fresh piercing. So, And it, it, it doesn't um, – well, repeated, repeated injury to the area doesn't, doesn't cause long-term damage? Well, so that being said, I mean, I, uh, I don't feel so much in my bicep – Mm-hmm. But my hand, man, my hand, you know, guys like David Blaine, they're out there doing it too, man. And yep. they're, they're killing it, but they're, you know, they're, they're not doing it, you know, mm-hmm. six times a week, man. How, how, so, how do you find that it affects your sleight of hand? Well, so much, uh, not so much my sleight of hand. However, like I, I still, there's a lot of scar tissue in my hand mm-hmm. now. It's hard to open up like a, a bottle of soda or a bottle of water. Mm-hmm. You know, I still feel it a little bit when I go to open it. I still feel it in my hand. That was the one thing I really noticed. Where I was like, ow, I can't even open this bottle of water. Is there um, is there any regret associated with that? Or No, man. I had a lot of fun doing what I did. You know, I don't regret it, and uh, I still do it. So, uh, But out of everything else I've done, like, that's the only thing I can think of that's been, like, 
permanent mm-hmm. so far. Like I still feel it. Um, everything else has healed up pretty good. Uh, I can't think of anything else, and it hasn't affected my sleight of hand. I don't think that's good. That's yeah. good. That was when you were talking about putting the needles for your hand. That was the one thing because I mean I rely on on my sleight of hand, and and mm-hmm. I'm very very conscious about my hands. Uh, you know, even when I'm you know, doing like home renovations or anything like that. As soon as the saw comes out, my, I'm always like a little nervous, but I, I can't imagine doing that kind of a thing. But if you're having fun and you're doing it safely, it seems like it's, it's definitely like a way to go. Yeah. It's worked for me, man. It wouldn't work for everyone. I don't think, but it's worked for me You know, I've made it work. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of the stuff I do with especially deep tissue piercing, cause I do so many different piercings, man, like so mm-hmm. many, uh, you know, bunch of different ones you know, there's yeah. photos and videos and all over the different stuff i do yeah i i should say you've uh-huh. got a, a very interesting youtube page and everyone should go check it out because oh, thank you yeah there's there's some insane and wild videos on there that you just you can't look away from yeah man it's i love it man and people seem to love it and i really you know i i think of it as my art mm-hmm. i really uh, the, the thought that goes behind it, like we were just talking wardrobe, mm-hmm. but even the music I pick, you know, uh, there's a song. We were trying to find a song for the Needle Act that I was doing, and I heard a song years ago called Tourniquet by Marilyn Manson, and it's mm. one of his most poetic, uh, just beautiful songs, yeah. man, that Manson wrote between the music and the lyrics. And I wanted to try it, you know, and I remember the guys on tour were like, man, this is really slow. Like, this is a rock and roll show. Mm-hmm. And we just don't know if it's going to work. I said, let me try it. So I remember we tried it, man, and it just, the audience loved it. I, they were crying, man. There's people crying in the audience and people passing out in the audience. And it was just this really beautiful, artsy thing we did. And I remember that was the first time I did the 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 act to tourniquet. Mm-hmm. And I remember going off stage, and they looked at me, my crew, you know, my guys, mm-hmm. the guys I was performing with, and they said, "Hey, man, you're never changing that song. That song's staying." <laughs> do you, now, prior to that, we didn't think it was going to work, and then they're like, "That's never changing. That was perfect." Do you yeah. think that maybe part of it is that, like, you know, when you're doing sort of like uh, like angle grinder spark stuff or breathing fire or anything like that, that there is like a big energy, and that you when you when you slow everything down to do something that is brutal because I, I don't think that there's any other adjective for a deep tissue piercing other than brutal because mm-hmm. it's it's so visceral you feel it when mm-hmm. you when you watch someone do it that suddenly the, the slowness of the music really extends it so you you talk a little bit in the, in the lecture that you're you're milking this kind of stuff and right. so it's a different way of milking the effect of the needle yes. of the needle act because it's it's slow and poetic yes sort of contrasting the brutality of pushing metal through flesh exactly i wanted to make it a beautiful thing and not a scary thing you know and i think we really accomplished that realistically you know it would take me what two seconds to push a needle through my (laughs) skin Mm -hmm. you know but i turned it you know that's a five and a half minute song Mm -hmm. that we really you know stretched it and milked it and it just really turned out to be this beautiful piece man i think it's i I think everyone should check it out because uh it's it's very very interesting it's uh it's unusual stuff that is is kind of fun to see. Uh, Eric Ross, thanks so much for joining me here on the Penguin Magic Podcast. Can't wait to have you back. 
No, happy to be here, man. Come back anytime. Thanks for having me. That's going to do it for this week, kids. Thanks so much to Eric Ross for the conversation, and thanks to you for listening. Next week on the show, I'm going to be airing an interview with one of my oldest friends in magic who you've seen on Masters of Illusion, headlining Disney cruise ships, and on the Today Show. I'll be talking with Farrell Dillon. If you want to find out what we got up to when we produced underground magic shows in Los Angeles, including the time we booked Justin Willman back when he was still just incredible, this is the show for you. As always, we're a weekly podcast, so be sure to like and subscribe as well as share your favorite episodes on the social media platform you are showing off your custom card collections on. If you wanted to reach out to me about anything on this week's show, please visit my base in No Man's Sky and bring some activated indium. I know that this is the second No Man's Sky joke in as many weeks, but I'm saving up for a really exotic freighter and this is becoming less of a joke and more me trying to hack a video game at this point. And you know what? If helping me achieve my dream of conquering what is basically Minecraft in space for adults makes absolutely no sense to you, you can always hit me up on Instagram at Eric Tate. That's at E E-R-I-K-T-A-I-T. From me and everyone else here at the P3 Magic Studios, practice, practice, get vaccinated. <laughs>